Vinepair's New York City headquarters. I'm Adam Teeter, and this is a Vinepair Next Round Conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes in order to give you a better idea of what's going on in the alcohol beverage industry. Today, I'm talking with Aaron Polsky, the founder of Livewire Cocktail Co. Aaron, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. So, you know, before we get into you know, your background, history, et cetera. I'd love if you could just start us off from the beginning with what is Livewire? So Livewire is a canned and bottled cocktail company. We make cocktails by bartenders who are well known around the globe. And, you know, the raison d'etre of our company is to um, provide a new source of income for bartenders. uh, Because as we know during COVID, or as we learned during COVID, um, but many of us knew before that, that our career is highly unstable. So we pay um, royalties to the bartenders in perpetuity on every cocktail sold. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Uh, How'd you have the idea for Livewire? Yeah. So uh, around 2012, I started getting my first cocktail press. um, And it was cool to see my name in print. But at the same time, I, I realized kind of quickly thereafter that it doesn't really do the reader, the cocktail enthusiast any good uh, if they're not in the same city as me and doesn't do me any good because I can't really monetize it. Right. So it's like, I've got this article out, but, and I can't share my, my cocktails with, with the readers. So there was this disconnect that needed to be bridged. So I started working on Livewire uh, which it was not named that around around twenty around twenty twelve and mm-hmm. made progress here and there and eventually would like you know I'd really every time I would start it very optimistically and be like we can do this we can get this up and running in two months you know and pitch some liquor companies to be partners or co packers mm-hmm. or investors or whatever and that was pretty early for the RTD RTD space in America so we. Um, I, I never really got it off the ground until I was leaving Harvard and Stone in 2019. And um, I decided that that was going to be the time that I actually got hmm. got this project off the ground. So I started raising money. I raised a small friends and family round just to get uh, our first 440 cases made. Okay. And... That was, and and we produced our first cans on March 3rd of 2020. Wow. So this was not a COVID business, but turned out being a COVID business. Yeah. Wow. I was funny. Like I, I had imagined that I would, you know, I was bartending at the time too. Again, I was very optimistic. I read this article on Medium that was like, how we raised $2 million in seven days. And I was like, well, if they could do it, I could do it. <laughs> right. Uh, which turns out I couldn't, but, um, I did end up, I was like, oh, I have no money. So I started working at a restaurant like a couple nights a week. Um, and I was working there up until March 15th. But in late February, early March, like once I'd had the product made or once we were like, once everything was scheduled, I was like, all right, cool. So like, I figure I can probably start paying myself and quit in April. <laughs> but I ended up working full time on it as soon as COVID hit. Yeah. And so... Tell me, like, where did you get the idea? There's, I mean, there's there's been so many canned cocktail brands all, all of a sudden, right? They're everywhere. Right. And there are some bartender canned cocktail brands. I mean, obviously, you know, you have some of the OGs that that, that sort of existed and we people weren't as aware of them, but they were there. Um, you have new ones out. Uh, what 
caused you to say, hey, I want this to be not just my cocktails. I yeah. want it to be other people's cocktails too. Because I think that's a really interesting model that no one else has done. Yeah. So uh, this was around September of 2019. I had this sort of light bulb moment to change it over because initially it was going to be my cocktails, right? Same as Charles Jolie, same as Tom Macy and Julie Reiner, uh, which I, I don't think those were out yet or even anything we knew about back then. But um, Charles yeah. was, right? Craft House was out. Yeah, Charles has been for, for a while. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> you know, I was thinking about his brand. Um, and with, with all due respect to Charles, I, I look up to him greatly. But I thought about the amount of time and the amount of effort it would take a consumer who's looking at a bottle of Craft House or looking at a bottle of my brand to do the work in a store to figure out who the people are behind it, why they're trustworthy, where their street cred is, like all of these things. And you really don't have that mm -hmm. time. And so, you know, a lot of consumers were passing Charles's brand, I'm sure, you know, in the store and not knowing that like somebody who was named best bartender in America, you know, was behind this brand. And, right. you know, it is better than a lot of the other things. So, um, so I had this moment where if it's not just me, but if it's used as a platform to shine the light on a lot of bartenders and, and bring them and their work to the masses, we then become this, um, this roster, this record label almost of some of the world's best bartenders. And then we can communicate that to the consumers in our advertising and our marketing um, without it just sounding like some blowhard, you know, like saying, Hey, I'm the best. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's pretty obviously saying anything as the best is subjective to an extent, but it's pretty easily backed up. You know, when you look at the careers of the people that are involved with us. So I wanted to, to, to have that, that strength behind the brand. Um, and mm -hmm. that's sort of how that, how that difference came about. Interesting. And how many different bartenders are you working with right now? Yeah. Um, so we have seven, well, we have six cocktails out. We have a seventh produced, uh, about to be launched as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's six in total. Um, okay. And then we have about six more, six to eight more bartenders on deck. So are these people that you've known throughout your career, you're sort of, you're doing all the curation or has, since this has taken off, have there been any bartenders that actually like approach you and be like, Hey Aaron, like, can I get in on this? Yeah. A lot of people approach so far. All of the people who are out and or committed are people that I've known throughout my career. But once we've gotten those out, which I assume will take into the majority of 2022, um, we'll start considering new people for it, mm -hmm. uh, because it is, it is an undertaking, you know, and it is a, it both a resource, like a time resource and a, and a financially intensive procedure to make every single cocktail, right? Like, yeah, it's quite an undertaking. So I gotta, I gotta say, like, I'm really curious about this. Um, I'm sure there's like a lot of proprietary stuff you figured out, but like, <sighs> So no bullshit, right? Like so many canned cocktails fucking suck. Yeah. And yours are the best I've had. And I'm not like kissing your ass right now. I'm dead serious. Like they really are. 
what is the process and how are you doing it? And what do you think you're doing? Like, what is it that you're doing so well? And what are the others doing so wrong? Is it, you know, are you, are you at a small batch facility that's packaging these? Like, are some people just using, trying to go too large format? Like, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, your old, fa- like, the old fashioned you have out to me is like, holy shit, I would pay, you know, I'd pay 16 bucks for this at a, at a cocktail bar and I wouldn't blink an eye. Right. You know, and so I'm really curious how you've been able to do that because a lot of others that I've had, I've been like, yeah, yeah, like I'd pay eight bucks for this. You know what I mean? Like at a con, like I'd be like, I, but if you charge me twelve, I'd be pissed. Got it. And so I'm really curious what that process is and and how you figured that out. Yeah. So the old fashioned is actually our easiest. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we just <laughs> <Okay>. use um, <laughs> it's just MGP two year rye apple brandy that we make at Ventura or that Ventura mm-hmm. makes. Um, okay. And and cherry bark vanilla bitters uh, and sugar, um, and that's it. Wow. Um, I think that in the case of that one, again, like this is the easiest to get through and then we can go, go beyond that. Yeah. Don't, I think what a lot of people do is they try to dumb it. They think that the consumer is dumb. That's what we don't do. We don't think the consumer is dumb. So we don't pre-dilute because nobody pre-dilutes when they make it at a bar, right? You make an old fashioned at a bar, right. you take 40 or 50, 40 or 45 ABV uh, whiskey, you take a sugar cube, you take bitters, you combine it, you add ice, and you call it a day. Or like, you know, a, a, a certain amount of simple syrup, right? Mm-hmm. And you add an orange twist. So, I mean, I did the same thing. <laughs> like, I right. made an old fashioned. And I, well, I did math and I put it in a bottle, but all of our products <laughs> are premium um, and we didn't dilute it, right? Like, again, it, it's the math. Like I, you see these old fashions that are 32%, 35%. You're like, how the fuck are you getting down to 32% ABV? You know, unless you're trying to save money on federal excise tax, right? which they might be doing, right? Because that's done by ABV. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that one's the easiest. Um, but the other ones are, and I mean, listen, uh, Bitter Cube makes some of the best bitters on the market, right? Between them, mm-hmm. Angostura, and everything Sazerac produces, including Bitterman's, like those are the top players in the game. So that was another one where, and, and they're a business, right? Like I love, um, I love Ira, right? Like he's, he's great and he has a very craft approach. But when I tell him, hey, dude, I need, uh, five gallons by Tuesday, he sends me five gallons by Tuesday. And I'm like, I need the the documentation to submit this to the federal government. He has that, you know? And right. so like they're built to scale. I know that we can grow with them. With the cans, very counterintuitively, we don't use juice. And that's why they taste fresh. So again, this is a thing where you think the consumer is dumb, right? Like you see these companies and they write fresh juice on the can. Well, it's like, yeah, sure, maybe by some extent or some regulation allowance, you're able to put fresh juice on the label. But like, even if you took a lemon and squeezed it right into the can and added all your other ingredients and canned it up and whatever, like by the time it reaches a consumer, it's not fresh. Right. And we write that right on our website. We're like, we don't use juice. We love fresh juice. Support your local bar and go get it. Right. So we use a combination of organic acids. Um, and we don't cheap out on their acids. It's not just citric, right? Because when you use only citric, 
you get a very sharp attack and a very sharp decay um, of acidity. And that's not how you want it to like we, we use acids because juices degrade, but what juices have in them are things like pectin and things like solid matters. And these little things that sort of hold it together and make it um, a little bit smoother. And so Mm -hmm. when you don't have that, you need to be very smart with how you use your ingredients so that you don't end up like making your drink drink taste thinned out and metallic. So um, we use a combination of acids um, that's proprietary to us Mm -hmm. in order to lengthen that, that finish. Um, And they're all again, organic acids. Um, And then we use um, high quality flavors and extracts, right? So, we go to a flavor house that's one of the best in the business and I tell them our flavors have to be whole foods compliant and they have to taste like what they're called. <laughs> so um, when I ask for honeydew, they send us like seven honeydew samples, right? Um, they're all custom and either they nail it or they don't. And if they don't, I'm like, Hey, listen, number six and number eight were the closest. I like that eight mm-hmm. was juicy, but I like the top notes on six, but it also needs more of this. So then, you know, Three to four weeks later, another magical flavor appears at our door and uh, hopefully, you know, they nail it then. And so by using, by utilizing the expertise of a flavor house while also maintaining them, but it needs to be natural, whole, food, whole foods compliant, mm-hmm. we're allowed to like stay within our integrity as bartenders and be proud of what's in the product um, while also being, um, while also being like, uh, being able to put out a consistent high quality product. Mm-hmm. So that also is, is built to scale, right? So right. we want, when we grow, we want our product to stay the same, which is also why we work with the flavor company. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's why they taste good is because we, and, and ultimately the, the, the last reason is that like, we are, <laughs> I mean, I think every one of our employees is or has been a bartender. Um, (laughs) so it's, but you know, like the culture starts at the top as well. Right. So like I'm a bartender, that's, that's what I, you know, put my name on. So I want to put out products that I would be proud of in the bar. And so, you know, you look at some other companies where the founder is, you know, a money guy or a former, you know packaging creator or whatever (laughs) like you you don't have that final say of quality control that that we do here and i think that that's really important is that we're bartender owned so where did the like where's the design for all the cans come from are you using the same designer for each because there is definitely some cohesion there i think um you know you have obviously the different bartenders but but everything looks similar uh, in a good way. So I'm, I'm curious sort of, you know, how, how you decided that this will be the look of the of the brand. Yeah. So w- every bartender can choose the artist that they want to work with. So Oh, wow. Yeah. So I view this as a creative work from the juice to the package, right? So I want the bartenders to really be behind it and really be proud of it. Uh, so um, they find an artist. We, you know, talk to the artist and uh, mostly it's the bartender, right? Like they talk to the mm-hmm. artist, they give them their... They give the artist their vision and, you know, where I'm involved is I'll basically be like, Hey, you know, any main element of the art has to be a separate 
this, sorry, this is getting like technical, but it has to be, no, I like this. It's, like, really, it's cool. Okay. Uh, it has to be like a separate layer in the file, right. Or it has to be isolatable. So they'll, so that when, it, when we take the art and turn it into a label, we can move stuff around without covering the art. We can shrink it or expand it or whatever as needed. So the best art that comes to us is like a bunch of different elements that we can move wherever. Um, and then we have a, um, a design and marketing company called Jellybone that basically takes that art and turns it into a label. Um, you know, it adds the font and adds the text and all of that stuff. And the bartender is involved basically through all of it. Um, and then, yeah, we create our label, we create our box. That's awesome. So going back really quickly, because um, I was just thinking about sort of, as you were talking about the flavor house and things like that. So is each bartender working with you and the flavor house and sort of going through that? Or, or are they saying, hey, I want honeydew. And then you're figuring out what the best honeydew flavor is. And then you're giving it to them to play around. Like how, how much is that? Is it the whole time 100% collaborative? Well, yeah, but I take the, I sort of like take lead on the flavor house stuff. Um, right. I basically, you know, it's a whole different set of tools and it's a whole different set of like measurements and all of that. So basically I pick like the finalist contenders for the flavor. Right, right. right? And sense. then once we're at that point, I get the bartender involved and then we blend it together. Very cool. So um, what's sort of, you know, as you, as you look at, what you've created so far, um, you know, what are your goals for the brand over the next few years? Yeah. I mean, you know, 50 state distribution, a couple of countries mm -hmm. getting into venues, getting into chains, um, uh, getting into more chains rather. Um, you know, for me, what chains are you in now? So we're, um, we're in total wine. We're in BevMo. Um, we're close to a couple of other grocery store chains and then we're in a chain in Northern California called Nugget Markets. Okay. Um, and we are also uh, in one of the higher end stores of Rayleigh's, which is another NorCal chain. Um, cool. Yeah. So, so, but like, you know, getting into national, national chains is, is something for us that we want to do as well. And then, you know, airlines and all that. Basically, because the bartender royalty is such an important component of the business. Um, mm -hmm. I don't feel like we've succeeded unless they've got a pretty good amount of money in their pocket. So um, it, it needs to grow to, to a pretty big level um, for me to be happy with it. So right now that are besides California, it sounds like mm -hmm. are the majority of people buying live wire online. So we have brick and mortar distribution in California, New York, New Jersey, Texas, and Louisiana. Okay. So That's a lot. Yeah, so we have a pretty good deal of business there. And then the rest of it, um, we do sell a lot online. Although mm -hmm. I would say that most of the online sales are from those brick and mortar states. But then we've also got like, you know, Aaron Hayes and Joey Bernardo are both from Chicago. So they have a following there. And so we do get a lot of orders, um, you know, to those those places where they have a following. That makes sense. Um, do you see this being sort of a brand that could be picked up by like a large restaurant chain and all of a sudden this sort of, you know, your old fashioned is their old fashioned? That would be great, right? Um, you know, there is definitely the opportunity that I didn't, I never foresaw, foresaw this opportunity, but, you know, with this hiring um, difficulty that so many restaurants and bars are facing, it really 
makes your life easier to have high quality Canva model cocktails. Um, that are it really does. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, Katana Kitten picked this up. Death & Co. is about to pick this up. You know, PDT um, and, you know, pick this up mostly to serve through Crypt Dogs, but like they serve it there as well. Um, so having Normandy Club, right? Like having those incredible bars on our account list, you know, really shows shows bars that we're at that level. And, um, you know, Masa says that Katana Kitten, he's like, listen, you know, when I have tickets you know from the printer to the floor like it's awesome when they say right when they say heartbreaker on it so i'm sure that this this um hiring i guess staff staff uh shortage um will continue for for a bit so there's definitely that value proposition to chain restaurants very cool well aaron this is this has been really awesome talking to you and the you know what you're building is is really awesome. Um, congratulations. The drinks are very delicious. And you said you have a few new ones coming out, right? Yeah. Well, so we just released Shannon Mustafer's cocktail on Tuesday. Um, mm-hmm. That one is, is a bottled whiskey sour type drink. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit different um, than really anything on the market. And it's, it's exciting for that reason. So it's uh it's bourbon with coconut, Rocky's liqueur, lime, lemongrass, um, and Jamaican number one bitters, also from hmm. Cube. Um, and so that's a 375 ml, 33 ABV, and it drinks like, you know, uh, a tropical drink or a, or a whiskey sour, but it looks like you're pouring whiskey. So that's it's cool. really, um, it defies expectations. So that that's really cool. I've, I really want to try it. <laughs> Sounds delicious. <laughs> um, and I was curious about that too, actually. Um, you know, Eamon's written for, uh, for Vine Pair a good bit. And so I was curious, like with Rockies, you know, is that something where Shannon was familiar with the liquid and she wanted to use it or you knew the liquid, like how, how did you, ch- how do you choose those things when you also are, of course, like naming the liquid that's in the drink? Yeah. I mean, you know, Eamon's someone that wanted to support for, for a long time. Um, and support his brand. Um, I've been pretty, pretty vocal about it on, on social media and stuff, just as a friend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like, I think that's friends should support friends in their endeavors. Yeah. And, you know, that com- those conversations kind of all happened at the same time, you know, like, oh, cool. so, um, it sort of all came together. Awesome. Well, Aaron, I, I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing for the industry. Keep up. This stuff is awesome. Uh, and yeah, hopefully we can check in like in a, in a year or so. And, and this thing is just huge. <laughs> Thanks. I hope you're right. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tasting Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.